Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up? It's good to see you. Oh, man, you guys are so kind. Man, worship was good, wasn't it? Man, so grateful for the opportunity to just come in here, worship the Lord in freedom. We got to remind ourselves that sometimes, man. Not everybody is able to do this. People are dying around the world over this message, over worshiping God. And we have the opportunity to do that here in freedom. So can we just make some noise to thank God for the freedom that we have available to us. Thank you, Lord. It's a wonderful opportunity. Right now, we're in a series. Speaking of freedom, we're in a series called Uncomfortable. And I said speaking of freedom because a lot of us exercise our freedoms to do whatever we want and really to do what's comfortable, right? Okay. Okay. Y'all didn't want to chime in on that because that may have accused you, right? Okay, that's cool. I'll say that most of us exercise our freedoms to do what's comfortable for us and what's convenient for us. And we're in a series right now called Uncomfortable where we're talking about the tensions that we experience in relationships. And you may be wondering, well, why are we in a series about relationships? Aren't we here to worship the Lord? Right? Well... Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all those things. But did he leave it there? No, No, he did not. He said, and the second is equal. Love your neighbor as your self. Yeah. And so we started out talking about being who you need. Instead of looking for love in all the wrong places, you find love in God and then you be love. Jesus didn't say the second commandment is equal. Be loved by your neighbor. No, he said, love your neighbor. Why? Because if we all follow it, everybody gets loved. And so we talked about instead of looking for our needs in everyone else, being the person that we need. Then Tay brought the message last week. Wasn't that good? Tay brought a great message about navigating family dynamics, and she said, your family needs Jesus too. But how many of you guys know it can be uncomfortable navigating family dynamics? Right? Some of the most uncomfortable relationships are in our families. It's uncomfortable comfortable. But we're called to love our neighbor, including our family. Right? Right? Okay. Man, did y'all not receive the message? Did anybody make a phone call to a family member, go out of their way to do something intentional, to be there for a family member? I would hope that these messages are landing in your heart and turning into some type of action because that's what we're here to do. Let me tell you why. Not just, oh, we want to follow a rule. We want to follow a commandment. Yes, it's very important that we follow the commandments. But Jesus gives us commands for a reason. Jesus, before he went to the cross, he prayed. John 17, we see this dialogue, this prayer from Jesus to the Father in front of his disciples, and he prays for his disciples, and he prays for all of us, those who would believe in the message. And he said, may they be one, so that the world will believe that you sent me. How are you guys doing with that? How are we doing with that? I would say... Not the greatest. 
And so that is the inspiration behind why we're having this talk, because if the world believing that Jesus actually came from heaven is actually divine, if the world believing that depends on how we interact with each other, I want to get good at that. Do you agree? That's a huge deal. And so I'm going to pray because as I mentioned in the first message, this is actually a miracle. This has to be supernatural for us to actually unite and love one another like we love ourselves. So let's ask God for help in this. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your perfect will. Lord, we thank you for your truth. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us to actually live out the truth that you tell us. So Lord, have your way in this place tonight. Have your way in our hearts and in our minds. Help to knit us together, unite us. Help us to be the body of Christ that you've called us to be, Lord, and not just refer to that as a church term, Lord, but help us to live that way. Lord, help us to live as members of one body because that is your perfect will and that's what will glorify you in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you have your Bible app tonight, turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is what is known as the Great Commission. It's the great command for the mission that Jesus gave to all of his disciples. Jesus came, he performed miracles, he lived among us, he lived a perfect, sinless life, then died a criminal's death on a cross. Seemed like a complete tragedy until, plot twist, he gets up, walks out of the grave, resurrected, shows his power over sin, over death, is seen by hundreds of people, real people. There are real accounts of this. This is why we're here, because somebody actually came, said that they came from heaven, performed supernatural miracles like healing uncurable diseases, and raised people from the dead, then was killed innocently, then rose from the dead. I need us to really understand what we're talking about in here. This is important. This is the gospel. This is the good news of freedom. Somebody came, said they were God, then proved it, then said that we have salvation available to us, relationship with God available to us through that sacrifice, and proved that he actually has the power by raising from the dead. Has anybody ever seen anybody raised from the dead? Nope. Oh, that guy has. He's seen somebody raised from the dead. It's rare. <laughs> is all I'm saying. It's very, very rare. And only God can do it. You guys following me? It's a big deal, right? So after he raises from the dead, he comes back. He's talking to his disciples, and this is what he says. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, say authority, in heaven and on earth, that means here, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What I want to focus on here is Jesus started out by saying, before I even tell you what to do, let me establish something. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, I have the right to give commands. And so one of the things that is important, foundational, for our relationship with Jesus, foundational for our understanding of Christianity, is the concept of authority. That's how Jesus started the conversation. Otherwise, it could have gone different. They could have made suggestions like, that sounds good, but what if we don't? What if we do this? But 
the positions were established, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. And I'm with you always. God is love, but God is also in charge. And I'm glad that the perfect God with the perfect love, with the perfect will, is the one who has all authority. Amen? Amen. But it's important for us to understand that he has all authority. Why is this important? Well, I think it's especially important for us in our generation because I think this is a concept we struggle with. And so I think it's something that we need to talk about a lot. Does anybody, what do you think of? Like when you just hear the term authority, how does that make you feel? Yeah, like tension, right? Like, oh, authority, oh. Like the hyenas, like Mufasa. (laughs) Authority. We don't like it, man. Our generation, they say that like millennials are like super anti-establishment, super anti-authority. We want to do our own thing. We don't want to be told what to do. We want to get hired, then tell you what we're about to do. Right? Like, yo, all right, I'm applying for this job, but let me tell you what the job should be, though. Like, you have, I don't know if you guys thought this all the way through, but here's what it could be. Here's what I'm really good at. I'm not the best in the morning, so I'm going to come in at 11, right? Because that's my peak time. It's my peak time, right? You want, you want the best performance out of me. This is the time for it. This is my window. And I cap out at about... 315, right? And then I got to be somewhere, bro. I don't like sitting in traffic. And can I work remote mostly? Because I'm trying to travel, bro. So when we get in jobs and school and all these places where we're like told what to do, we get uncomfortable because we don't feel like that's how it should be. But as Christians, right, as followers of Christ, it's really important for us to not conform to the patterns of this world. To conform means to be shaped, to be molded. And so you could be like cookie cutter stamped into what the rest of the world looks like. And if you do that, you will not be effective as a Christian because that's not what you're called to be like. You're not called to look like the world. You're called to look like God. And God is really big on authority. That's why Jesus introduces the gospel with the concept of authority. It doesn't say all love comes from me. Look, look, let's, let's establish. The love, it's understood. I am love. All authority has been given to me though. That's what I need you to know because that's also gonna protect you, it's gonna cover you. You're gonna know when you go out and do this, anything that comes against you, you're covered because I have all authority, I'm in charge, there's nobody above me. And so authority can be a very good thing when we allow it to cover us. But so many of us are trying to step out from under the covering of authority, especially in the church. There's like, Several of you in here right now who are like, yo, I could do this better than him. I'm about to go out and do my thing. And I'm not even mad at you because that is how we think. You may be gifted, but if you're not under the covering of authority, if you're not allowing God to put you in position, then you'll never be effective because it's not about how good you are. It's not about how gifted you are. It's about how submitted you are. And so God, we have to allow him to have all authority in our lives if we're going to be effective. As Christians, we can't conform to the patterns of this world. And we have to understand this concept of authority. In fact, what I've been learning is that sin is all a matter of authority. Do you believe me? Sin is all about authority. In fact, I looked up the definition of rebellion, right? Rebellion is the action or process of resisting authority. 
And that's what sin is. God has said, do this, don't do this. This is what happened in the garden. What did Eve do? She stepped out from under the authority of God, where God said, I've provided every single thing for you, but don't do this here. And the understanding is God has the authority to say that. What the devil came in to do was to try to speak independence to her and to say, you could take authority. God just doesn't want you to have these good things. And so do it your own way. As a matter of fact, you could have all the knowledge he has. And so go out and do this sin right here. And so God may have set up boundaries in your life. God may be saying, look, I have the perfect plan for your life, but I want you to work this job right now. I have the perfect plan for your life, but I want you to be loving to this person right now. I want you to forgive your father. I want you to do what I'm calling you to do and trust that I have good intentions for you and I'm developing you. But what did Eve do? Eve believed the lie. She stepped out from under God's authority and it had way worse consequences than she could have ever imagined. It wasn't just about her. God had a whole plan for humanity that she got in the middle of by stepping out from under authority and rebelling. And so as Christians, we have to get this rebelliousness up out of us if we're ever going to be effective. And that's part of why we struggle with navigating relationships, because we're rebellious. We know what we should do. We know what the right thing to do is in most situations, especially as a believer. You have the Holy Spirit. He's telling you what the right thing to do is. We just don't do it. And when we step out from the authority of God, sometimes it has consequences more than we could ever imagine because he has a plan that maybe we didn't know about. Amen. You guys following? And so, in fact, First John 3, 4 says everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. That's First John 3, 4, if anybody wanted that. Absolutely. Sin is lawlessness. Sin is stepping outside of boundaries that are set in place. That's what it's about. But our generation, we want to question everything. We want to push boundaries. Well, why, God? Why is it that way? One of my friends posted on Facebook earlier about the Kobe and uh, Gianna Bryant situation and saying, this is how we know there's no God, because who would have that in their plan? which sounds like something you could get on board with, right? Like, oh, yeah, there's no way that could be good, right? But we have such a limited perspective, and it's so dangerous when we try to make sweeping statements like that. It's so dangerous when we question the authority of God, the goodness of God, because God is good. That's what's true. We are not good. That is also true. We don't have the capacity to determine what's good, what's not. We don't have the foresight. We don't have an eternal perspective. So who's to say what besides God? And I'm saying this because these are conversations that we run into. And so I'm not just talking about like a cheesy concept of authority. I'm talking about even when we run into difficult conversations, who has the authority Who do you side with when it comes to things that you don't understand, that you couldn't even fathom how it could be good? Does God still have authority in your life? Because if there's a breaking point for you, the enemy will take you there. If it's all he has to do is take this person from you to get your soul, he'll take you there. If all he has to do is sever this relationship, cut off this job, take this money from you, He's going to try it. But you know what protects us and covers us? The authority of God. God is big on authority and how we respond to authority will determine the trajectory of our lives. It'll determine where you're able to go, what you're able to do, how far God can take you, how you respond to authority. And there 
there are undoubtedly people in here right now who feel like you have this under control. And I just wanna invite you into this moment to say, God, search me. Point out any way that's not right. Lead me to the path of everlasting life. As David said, search me. Let me know if I don't have this under control. Maybe I don't have this under control as much as I think I do. Because a lot of us, even when we are obedient, a lot of us are still obedient in the areas that we want to be obedient. And then we use that to justify the areas that we're not. Like, oh man, I'm doing so much over here. The 60% is covered. This 40 over here, I'm going to get to it. God, you know my heart. Grace covers the 40%. But I'm killing it over here. And I'm not saying that there's not grace available for you, but grace is there to empower you to step up to the next level. And so if we are ever going to do anything impactful, important here on earth, it has to be as a part of God's kingdom. And if we're going to be a part of God's kingdom, we have to understand the concept of authority. And not just the authority of God, but the authority that God puts us over here on earth, puts us under here on earth. Oh, yeah. Not just God's authority over us, but we submit even to the people that he puts over us. Amen? Okay. So tonight's, the title of tonight's message, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, is Submission Season. Submission season. Why? Because chances are, if you are a young adult, you are in a season where God has you submitting. Odds are you haven't arrived yet, right? And I want to look at this very simple Scripture here in 1 Samuel 18.2. I want us to look at the life of David just real quickly, right? How many of you guys know the story of David and Goliath, right? Slays the giant, you know, and so you know in your life, it's like, I'm going to slay my Goliath. I'm going to be David today. Nobody can stop me. This is my purpose. It's game time. I got my opportunity. David was just tending to sheep in the field, minding his business, being faithful. Then he's bringing lunch to his brothers who are on the battlefield. David is the youngest. He's bringing lunch. He's like DoorDash <laughs> coming to the battlefield. I need, we need the picture, right? Carrying lunch, bringing it to his brothers. As this is happening, like the whole army of Israel is super shook, super scared because there's a giant from the army of the Philistines just calling them out, calling them out their name, calling God out his name, saying, who's your God? I'm about to kill all of y'all. Somebody come out here and get these hands. <laughs> it's pretty much the gist of what he was saying. So David, he's walking around. He's hearing this. He's like, who is this guy? Y'all going to let him talk like this? This is crazy. So then rumor starts going around. The king said, all right, man, whoever will go out here and kill this dude, I'll give my daughter to you. Seriously, this is the story. I will give my daughter to you in marriage if y'all go out here and fight this giant. Still nobody's going. They're like, she's not that fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so David, David's like, hmm, y'all think she's not fine. I do. And I've been up a couple, I've been against a couple opponents before. So he's like, he heard what they said, right? And he's like, so what, what happens for the person who'll go out here and fight this guy? He knew, right? They're like, oh, you get the king's daughter in marriage. He's like, oh, really? Oh, okay, that's crazy. Hmm. I think I'm gonna go out there. And so long story short, they try to give David armor, 
he's too small for it because he's still super young. And they're like, man, you're only a boy. You can't go out here. He's like, look, I've been tending sheep. And I know that doesn't seem like that big of a deal to you. A lot of people don't see it. But there was this one time where a lion came and tried to attack one of the sheep. And I killed the lion with my bare hands. Right. And then there was another time where a bear came and I killed him, too. And so I think I could take this dude right here. Why? Because God brought me through with the lion. God brought me through with the bear. And this guy is talking against the God who's brought me through every situation. So I'm about to show him that the God in Israel is alive. The God in Israel is real. The God in, of Israel will take you out because you're talking crazy. All right. So he goes into the situation. You know, the Philistine named Goliath had a sword. David didn't. David goes out there with the sling. Now, I don't know if any of you guys know this, but a sling back then is like, it's not like the thing you pull back, like a slingshot. You put a rock in it, you swing it, and then sling it, right? So it took some practice. So David had been out there in the background, working on some things. And then when the time came, he was ready for the opportunity that God was about to put in front of him. But if David was busy trying to be a warrior when he was supposed to be a shepherd, he wouldn't have been prepared for when it was wartime. And so I don't know what God has you doing in the background right now. But I hope that you're taking care of it faithfully so that when the opportunity comes, you can say, you know what? It's crazy. I've actually been doing this over here. And God's been using it to prepare me for this situation. But here's, here's the crazy thing, though, right? So David kills the giant, goes, takes his sword, cuts off his head. David's walking around with his head, has a conversation with Saul, head in hand, right? And then David is the man. David goes right to stardom. But what's crazy is, man, we see this scripture right here. The next chapter over, it says, From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. So David went from like stardom moment to submission. I don't know if you guys caught that because he went from being a shepherd to not like taking over everything, but to submission to the king. Saul's like, nah, now you can't even go home to your family. You're going to be here. And so I think a lot of us think that this big moment that God is taking us to is going to be like the, oh, I'm about to run everything, king of the world, queen of the world. I'm about to lead everybody. I'm not about to have a boss. I'm my own boss. I'm my own CEO. I'm putting CEO in my bio, even though my company isn't even incorporated. I don't even have an LLC. It's not even registered, but I'm the CEO of this unregistered company. I am the boss because we want that, right? We want to be in charge. But David didn't go from like nobody to in charge. He went from like nobody to somebody, but a submitted somebody under somebody else's vision. And here's what I learned a few years ago. I heard somebody say this, and it was that submission is to come under the mission of somebody else. Some of us need that. As the young adults pastor here at Victory, I am under the mission of our senior pastor's vision. I don't have my own vision for where this is going and we're about to like break off and do our own thing. No, I'm stewarding our senior pastor's vision 
and then coming alongside with the giftings and the vision that God has given me under the mission that he's assigned to them. And so David didn't get to just, and mind you, other plot twists, David had already been anointed king in the background at this point. So like Samuel, the same one who anointed Saul, who was the current king, God told him, Saul's disobeyed me. Saul's tripping. Saul's not about to have this kingdom anymore. I have somebody else in mind. Go to the house of Jesse. Saul goes to Jesse's house. David wasn't even invited inside. All of his other brothers are, are the ones who the dad brought up. Like, I know it's one of them. And Samuel's like, this is crazy because I thought it was one of them too because they look very kingly. But God is saying it's not any of these people. Do you have any other sons? And Jesse's like, oh, yeah, like my youngest one is out in the back, but are you sure? Because I don't think he's a king. He's out in the back tending the sheep. Wasn't even invited inside. Comes inside, God is like, yup, this is the one. Why? Because of what was going on in the background. Where he was under God's mission. Where he was supposed to be. And not trying to be somewhere else. But he was perfecting his little sling. Not knowing it was for a giant, right? Playing music, not knowing he's about to write the Psalms. Like how many of you guys don't know the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? David wrote that thousands of years ago. And we know it because he was just doing what God called him to do at the time with no eyes on him with no attention, no eyes on him, but God's. And God saw what he was doing. And God saw the potential. And God said, I have a mission that I'm going to need you to come under. But so many people don't ever want to come under my mission. They want me to come under theirs. And so I can't roll with Saul, even though I tried to bless him, but he won't come under my mission. He won't obey me. And so I need somebody who will actually come under my mission instead of trying to get me to bless their vision. That's only like five years thought out. While I am five billion trillion quadrillion years thought out. I've thought of everything. And you want me to come under your five-year plan. But this is how we operate. And we wonder why God won't move us. And he won't elevate us. Because we are trying to put him in our box so frequently. David was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing, not even knowing what God was going to use it for. Because there's no way David could make sure that those Psalms would be preserved for thousands of years to where we'd be talking about them, where they would be in our iPhones. Bruh. Think about this. A random Dude, in his teens, being a shepherd, not even noticed by his parents, thousands of years ago, has songs in your iPhone or your Samsung. I respect it. I respect it. All right. Maybe your LG. I don't know. We're diverse in here, right? Okay. So... But seriously, think about it. What might God want to do with what he's telling you to do that you're not allowing him to do because you won't submit? Because you think you have a great plan. So David, his next step after his big moment is to come under somebody else's vision and not somebody with a good vision. Some of us would only think it's God if we came under a leader that was great. Oh, God, this person does not have your vision. This must not be you, so I will not obey. Your boss, God put them over you. <gasps> Rhonda, no! Yes, Rhonda. 
is appointed by God to be your boss. If we really believe God is in control, if we believe God is in control, all them applications you sent out, the person who responded, the connection that you made, you don't think he was in that? Even if you think it's insignificant, even if you think it's not a big deal, they don't pay enough, they don't appreciate me, they don't have a good culture here. God is in it. And it may not be your forever, but you need to treat it like God has it as your now. Because if you don't, how are you going to get to the forever? Because he's trying to equip you with something. Practice your sling, please. He's doing something. He's up to something. But our perspectives are off so frequently. This concept is very important to God. In 1 Peter, 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 who walked with Jesus, held Jesus down, knew Jesus one-on-one, -on -one, wrote letters to us. We don't even read it. All right, man. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6. Right before this, Peter was explaining that the older people in the church, the leaders in the church, need to shepherd God's flock, care for God's flock, submit to the chief shepherd who, got, who is God, and care for the flock under them. After that, he says right here, in the same way, you who are younger, say, I'm younger. So that means you. Submit yourselves to your elders, all of you say all. all. Say all. all. That means everybody. All of you clothe yourselves with humility. Put it on. Cover yourself with it. Wear it every day. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. How are you doing with that? In here with the people sitting around you, with the people that God is calling you to be brothers and sisters with, are you clothing yourself with humility towards these people? Because, because there's a reason. God opposes the proud. God will oppose you, but shows favor, say favor, favor. to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So here's point one. Humble yourself. What do we need to do in submission season? Humble yourself. Notice it doesn't say be humbled. Because God can do that. But really what he does is he puts you in, in situations that make you humble yourself, or you should humble yourself in. But a lot of us are in situations where God is trying to teach us to humble ourselves, and we won't. So then we're just experiencing all the tension, all the awkwardness, because we won't have the hard conversations, because we won't apologize. Here's what I've learned. In most interactions where there's some type of tension, both people are wrong in some way. Most of the time. How often do you take accountability for when you're wrong? How often are you the first person to go low? How often? And do you wait for somebody else to do it first? Because God doesn't say, wait for other people to humble themselves. He says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand so that in due time he can exalt you, him. And so we humble ourselves under God's hand by humbling ourselves under the authority that he's placed over us and even to one another, submitting ourselves to one another. That's what he's calling us to do. That is love. That's what's actually gonna shock the world. The world is not shocked that you go to church. 
the world is not shocked that there's a scripture in your bio. It's not really surprising. You know, when, you know what shocks the world? When you live different. When you love people. When you respond to cursing with kindness. When you love your enemies. Jesus said, oh, you like people who like you? <gasps> Anybody can do that. How about you love, bless the people who curse you? He said, anybody can lend money and expect a return on it. I give you five, you give me 10, good deal. He said, lend and don't expect repayment. Somebody asks for the shirt off your back, give it to them. That's what shocks the world. Not just when you take your shirt off on Instagram, okay? been there. I'm speaking from experience. So I've been there. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't bring people to Christ. <laughs> Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due, say the last word, time. That means it might not happen immediately. That means due time could be a while, could be a minute. But if you want God to take you higher, you have to learn to take yourself lower. That is how it works. That's how the kingdom works. Jesus has all authority. He says this is how it works, so it's how it works. Or else you'll be running into the opposition of God your entire life and never get anything accomplished. We need that to, to sink in. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Well, who are the humble? Not just the people who love God and say they love God, but the people who show it by humbling themselves with each other, submitting to one another, apologizing when you don't feel like it. Hmm. Man, there's so many of us who are self-righteous in the church. There's so many people who will break down my sermon. And y'all are great. Like, I really don't get this from you guys. I just know, like, it's real, right? So I'm not complaining about you guys. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. I don't get this from most of you guys. I know it happens. It's happened. But the reality is, man, we will break down what's happening on the stage. Oh, man, this person should do this. They should do that. They didn't do this right. Man, they should let the spirit move more. What about in your house, though? Because you won't apologize. You won't do what you won't do the last thing that God told you to do. And he told you like a year ago. But y'all need to let the gifts out. <laughs> but you know what's, what's real? Is that God might have put that vision in you, right? Not just to say what everybody else should be doing, but maybe if you were submitted in the area that he wants you to submit in, he could use you to be a gift to this place to be a gift to the places he's calling you to, but nobody can hear what you have to say through your attitude, through your pride, through your judgment and your criticism. And these are the things that we struggle with and we call ourselves Christians and we'll feel more righteous than the people around us, but we won't humble ourselves. And so God is resisting us and we don't even know it. And then we call it getting attacked. The, the devil's attacking me because I'm so gifted. No, you just won't submit. Because the scripture says if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, he will lift you up. So if you're not getting lifted, it's probably submission season. And this is true for all of us, really in most phases of life. Second step is submit yourself. Humble yourself. You got to humble yourself if you're going to submit yourself. First Peter 2 
Peter again, he knew some things because he knew the Lord. He said, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor, you mean Trump? Some of y'all just checked out. Let me tell you, let me tell you who he was talking about though. He was talking about an emperor who was burning them alive, torturing them, throwing them in, in arenas with lions, murdering them, not saying politically incorrect things. So this isn't him stamping the emperor's vision. This is him saying, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Why? Because God's going to be glorified when you do things that the world won't do and when you live different and when you submit yourself to the king of kings. And when you know that submitting yourself to who God tells you to submit to is submitting yourself to God and he's the one who covers you. And so I don't care who you put over me. God is in control. And so if God put this, puts this person over me, I'm going to act honorably, humbly, loving, because that's what actually reflects the heart of God, not me going to war against people. <gasps> Scripture, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every, say every. every. He didn't leave any exceptions. Human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. You don't know what God's up to. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Wow, that by doing good, not by tweeting, not by putting up Facebook statuses, saying what God is saying when God is not saying that. Not by one-upping people in debates debating with people on Instagram comments. He said that by doing good, you will silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. But the Bible says when you engage with a fool, you become one. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, because that's what that is. You're stepping out from the authority of God because God is telling you to submit yourself and so when you step out from under that, you're doing evil. It's rebellion. And then we wonder why we're not seeing the blessing of God pour out over our lives. Man, it's actually simple. It's right here. Submit yourself. Humble yourself. Submit yourself. Show proper respect to everyone. Everyone. Say everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God Honor the emperor, wow. The emperor that's persecuting you, that hates you, that's torturing you, that's killing you. Honor him for the Lord's sake because you'll silence that talk by doing good, but not by standing up for what you think is good, but by doing the will of God. Last point is to do everything in love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says this, says, do everything in love. <laughs> everything. Say everything. everything. That means whatever you're doing, do it in love. Every interaction, every conversation, when you go to the job, when you go to school, when you go to the bank, when you get cut off, bruh. Some of y'all were literally cutting me off as I was pulling in here. Like four of y'all were illegally pulling in front of me. Y'all! I'm trying to pull in, bring the word of the Lord to you. God had a message for you. You won't even submit to the traffic laws. Blocking the word of the Lord. Isn't that crazy, though? Y'all like, I wonder if that was me. I memorized some of y'all license plates. I'll let you know. I'm playing. Or am I? For real, though. Do everything in love. 
That means, oh man, I was, I was getting on my wife's nerves the other day because we were on the highway and I was taking her to work and we were running a little behind, right? And people were trying to merge in. She's like, so you just gonna let everybody over? <laughs> like, <laughs> but the reality is, I'm like, babe, this is not gonna make all that big of a difference in our commute. And we're called to do everything in love. <laughs> now, mind you, she, had, she has a point on me because, so she's from, she's from Arizona, right, where they use their blinkers. And I told her that here in Atlanta, you can't do that because to put on your blinker says, uh, hey, don't let me over, <laughs> is what that means. And so it might be open, but if you put your blinker on, they're gonna press on the gas and speed up just off the strength. Like, I don't know who this dude thinks he is put, telling me that he's about to get in front of me. I'm not in a rush, but I'm not trying to let you in front of me. And so I told her, like, you gotta, you gotta just put the blinker on, boop, as you're moving. Like, just so you know, just so you know, I'm getting over here, bro. And she's like, that is illegal. You are supposed to follow the law. And she's right, but that's hard. I'm just sharing my testimony with y'all. Y'all pray for me on that. It's interesting. Um, Lisa Bevere said, there is freedom in submission and bondage in rebellion. Wow. When we step out from under the mission of God, we end up in bondage. He says, he who sins is a slave to sin. We become enslaved to our own disobedience. We step out from under the covering of God and we're not able to do anything effective. We're not able to experience the peace that he wants us to experience. We're not able to be elevated to the levels that he wants to elevate us because the higher that he takes you, it really takes a more humble mindset. He says that the greatest among you is the servant of all. And a lot of us are not thinking about that. We're just thinking about being a leader and being in charge and being the boss, being the CEO. And we don't realize that in the kingdom, it's different. God delegates authority to servants, the greatest servants. And so we have to do everything in love. First Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. So if you are operating in a place of seeking for yourself constantly, that's not operating under the mission of God, but love focuses on others. And so I want us to go back to the first thing that we talked about, the first, that first line, how we respond to authority will determine the trajectory of our lives. And I want us to really think about this. I am so passionate about this message because I know that the only thing that can stand between you and God's purpose for you where you are and where he's taking you is you and your decisions. That's the only thing. The enemy cannot stop what God wants to do in your life. There is no demon that can stop what God wants to do in your life. There is no person. There is no boss who wants to keep you down that can keep you there if God doesn't want you to be there. So as you submit yourself to these people who God has delegated authority to, remember who's actually in charge. David submitted himself under the leadership of Saul, when God had already said he was stripping the kingdom from Saul, Saul was trying to kill David for years and David still wouldn't put a hand on him. He had opportunities to kill him, wouldn't do it. Said, I won't touch the Lord's anointed, which means 
who God has delegated authority to, I will not dishonor, I will not disrespect because I am submitted to God and I trust that he'll take care of me. So I'm not gonna try to get rid of this problem myself with my sword. I'm not just gonna step out because I'm tired of it. God is calling us higher. And in order to go higher, we have to take ourselves lower and be willing to serve, to humble ourselves, to not think so highly of ourselves, to submit ourselves even to each other and to do everything, say everything in love. I wanna pray for us. If you'll bow your heads, I wanna pray this prayer because there's so much depending on this. The future of our families is depending on this. What people say at our funerals depends on this. Freedom for people depends on this. So I want us to take a moment to contemplate, man, how am I responding to authority in my life? God's authority over me and the authority that he's placed over me here on earth. And I believe in the Holy Spirit is speaking things to us, showing us areas that we can improve, areas that we're doing well, areas that we should keep going. Maybe you're doing well and God just wants you to keep, keep going, don't give up. Maybe there are areas where you're messing up. Maybe you're, not cut, maybe you're not cutting it right now because you didn't even know that it was really all that important. The Holy Spirit is showing you situations, situations on your job, situations in your family, situations all over. I wanna pray for us, Father, have your way in this moment. Lord, help this to land in our hearts. Lord, help us to submit in this season, in this submission season that you have us in, Lord. Help us to be all the way present, all the way submitted, allowing you to develop us, to grow us. As David was sure to be king, and you made him one of the greatest kings in all of history. You had a season in his life where he was submitted under somebody else and surely how he responded to that authority determined where you were taking him. So Lord, I pray that you would give us all that heart. Give us all that character. Lord, help us to be humble. Help us to be submitted. Help us to operate in love because we know it's a miracle. We know that it goes against our nature. It goes against our minds. But Lord, help us to be in tune with you, to be led by your voice, to seek your face, to seek your will. Lord, for anybody in here who hasn't, who just hasn't had that fire in them for you lately, Lord, I pray that you would re-spark a fire right now. And I'm declaring a fresh fire over this place in the name of Jesus. I'm declaring recommitment, rededication taking place right here in the name of Jesus. I'm declaring healing taking place in our minds, in our spirits, rejuvenation, refreshing. You're the comforter. Holy Spirit, have your way. Bring us comfort. Sometimes we're just too tired. Lord, help us to rest in you and to receive what you have for us. Lord, we receive what you're wanting to do. Help us to experience your peace in Jesus' name. I wanna extend one more invitation. Maybe you came in here and you didn't know Jesus. And maybe earlier when Erskine gave the salvation call, you didn't respond, but you're seeing the need for God's authority in your life. I wanna give you one more opportunity. This is very important to us. This is why we're here. And so if you're saying, I do want Jesus in my life, I just wanna lead you in a prayer. And I want everybody to repeat this prayer with us. All the believers around the room say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came to earth and you died 
for my sins. I believe you have the power to forgive me and to save my soul. I receive your forgiveness. I turn away from my old life. I turn away from my sins. I'm stepping back under your covering, under your authority. And I'm saying you have full control of my life from here to forever. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a blessed night. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.